Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we are joined by professional StarCraft II player Cham of Team Exxon. Team Exxon hosts a weekly tournament every Wednesday that we proudly sponsor, so be sure and check it out. If you'd like to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can always buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. So what's up, Brad? How you doing this week? Hey, pretty excited. Yeah, man, for sure. So uh, as we said in the intro, we do have special guest Cham, a professional StarCraft II player with us this week. Cham, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I just ate like a sick hamburger. So I'm feeling <laughs> with all the energy right now. Nice. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> That's well, I got, I got to start off then. Like, what's your, you said a sick hamburger. So how is it, spe- like, what's special about it? Is it like grilled or smoked? Is there a certain topping that you got going on there that really fired you up? Well, I am usually really into food. Like I really like to eat a lot, especially because I'm like a big guy, you know, I like to hit the gym and stuff. Yeah. So for me, like a sick hamburger is a hamburger where it has like a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, it's, it has like barbecue with uh, all the vegetables, like two meats, you know, cheese, like it, it looks so big. I can so you do like a fried egg on top? Uh, what, sorry? Like a oh. fried egg? Yeah, that, that's my well, one of yeah. my favorites. That's the best one. <laughs> awesome. So you have been playing StarCraft II professionally since 2012. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, well, I had a few picks in like national tournaments in 2011. Like right, oh, okay. right after I get into the game in 2010. But yeah, you can say 2012 was the year that I started playing professionally. Wow, that's that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty impressive run here in 2021 to still be going. Um, so I guess a, a question that I have for a pro gamer is how did you kind of land on StarCraft II as being the game that you thought you could play professionally? Like, were there other games that you thought maybe you would go that direction with before or did you just find StarCraft and fall in love and that was all she wrote? Uh, well, not exactly that. It was uh, I was playing Xbox 360 when I was a kid, when I was in uh, secondary, I think I was high school or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was playing a lot of Xbox, Call of Duty or Gears of War. I love those games, like uh, war games, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started to um, meet the esports because of those games. I tried to try hard, so hard, like play all day with friends, try to play in MLG and stuff. But I didn't really know how to get involved exactly. So I didn't know how to use the computer. I didn't have a computer back in the time. So I didn't uh, get into the competitions or or I didn't do do it myself. So I kind of like lost motivation. And then I found, found StarCraft. I found that it was like a huge history of StarCraft from World War. And yep. there was doing like a lot of events. So I was like, yeah, I really, really love this game. So I really want to become pro like since the first first um, time i played the game when i saw it so you have so you, you hail from mexico is that correct yeah i'm from mexico so is there a pretty vibrant i mean scene there for starcraft i mean are there are there a lot of local events or you know at least back then you know 2012 were there a lot of local events for you to play in yeah there was uh like the first tournament i won in 2011 it was uh, made in a university i think Okay. where the first prize was like i think uh, five thousand pesos which is like 250 dollars or something okay 
And uh, I, I saw that tournament in, um, oh, how do you say in English? Folleto. Folleto <laughs> English. Like I, I heard from, from a friend, it says user information. Well, I, I heard from, from a friend that I, there was going to be the tournament. And it was mm -hmm. the first one, right? No one knew me, no one who, who, who I was. That friend, I, I met him in the game, actually. I, I played against him, I think, on ladder. And we become friends. He was from my city as well. Mm. And then after that, I, well, I went to the tournament and uh, they, they knew who, were, who was going to win. They, they had their favorites, you know? Like, this guy is going to mm. win. Stuff. Yep. But then I just wrecked everyone. <laughs> and then I just uh, won the money. And then they said, like, hey, why did you bring out the kid, man? No. <laughs> <laughs> and they had, like, very sick uh, racer keywords, you know, and really good mouses. And I was playing with a really shitty uh, like equipment, you know. So right. it was just kind of funny. That time. But yeah, I was very sick. Right. Nice. Cool. Do, were you, so have you always been a Zerg? Or were, did you play other races in earlier tournaments? Uh, when I started playing StarCraft, I really became a fan of uh, the turn just because it's uh, kind of like simply simpler to play yeah. at first, easier to understand. There's so much micro, you know, I really got a passion about the micro. But, I, but then I just started losing. Like points didn't come by, I was like, man, I need to win. So I just uh, uh, changed to Protoss. Because I lose, I remember I lose a game against Protoss. I was like, dude, this race is amazing because he just punched me so hard. Yeah. But then after a while, I just changed to Zerg. So I was like, okay, I want to try the three, three races and then I have to decide, right? But right. then I was just like six pulling everyone with Bailey's and then I get into <laughs> that. I get into Diamond with six pulling and Bailey's, which is basic micro, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, was, I was happy with staying with Zerg after that. After I get into Diamond, I mean, I, I was like, okay, I have to learn to uh, execute some other builds. Get, get another build under you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get stuck in there. But yeah, that was pretty much it. Hmm. So this is kind of a, a strange question, I guess. But, you know, in traditional sports, whether it be, you know, basketball or baseball or soccer or something like that, there are, at the highest levels, typically the athletes have innate advantages that aren't things that they could have trained like their faster foot speed or they're taller or they're physically larger or whatever the case may be and obviously those specific characteristics don't really carry over to esports but i'm curious do you do you find that and i'm not trying to <laughs> have you self-aggrandize or anything but do you do you feel like there are qualities that pro gamers have that are, are things that can't be taught um, I guess maybe an easier way to say it is like, did you feel like you were just kind of a natural at this or is it all training and grinding and, and, and just hard work that, that gets you there? Yeah, I see. Well, I think the most, uh, impactful thing about the esports or games about players is about talent because a lot of players that play very little just because they are talented, they are able to just achieve way more stuff and other people that just play like three times four times more than them right mm -hmm. but like personally myself i think it was mostly passion <laughs> mostly passion because i really really like that lifestyle i was like man you play video games and then you get paid for it jesus that's the thing i want to do 
but yeah, it was mostly passion. I am, I'm not, I don't think I'm like too super talented. What I do have about myself, I think is that I am a very analytic uh, player, you know? I like mm-hmm. to play less like these days and then just analyze more. And then after I analyze, I see that in the game when I do the thing that I analyze, I just win games or I just become better, you know? But some other players are just better at branding more games or just uh, for being smart, they can just take better decisions than uh, someone like who's not very talented in those things, you know? So, so when you say doing analysis, are, are you watching like a lot of replays or, or that sort of thing? Or what are you doing to... to... Uh, usually what I do is like uh, I try to see my own play. Because when I try to uh, copy like the best players in the world, like top one, top two, Sometimes it's very, very hard. I think it's because of the brain works different. So yeah. I like to mostly <clears throat> like analyze them and then just try to implement it on my way and in my play, so that I can uh, have my own, oh, yeah, like my own play. So I, I play it naturally, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's pretty much like the best that I that I can do. So I mean, I guess to follow up on that, how much do you find yourself? I mean, again, not a hard number, but just on average, are you playing multiple hours a day? Is it? Is it? Do you do you take off days in training, or how, what is the training regimen like to, for StarCraft? Well, StarCraft requires a lot of uh, a lot of skill to be honest. So, I think as long as I play like uh, at least like at least five games or more, I am mm. able to retain my speed. So that when I have to practice for a tournament, let's say two weeks before, one one month before, to to prepare, I have to well obviously play more, but uh, just to maintain my speed, I, I have to do that and my knowledge of the game, pretty much. Yeah, but uh, but so five matches though. I mean, that's not yeah. incredibly grueling, right? Like that's not you're not it's not fourteen hours a day or something. Yeah, know? I mean that's only to maintain myself when I when I am not uh, playing in season, right? With tournaments. But mm-hmm. when I'm in tournaments, usually what I do is like at least probably like ten games a day or, or fifteen plus. Uh, okay. I analyze games of uh, other pro gamers, or I really really go to the Ali Gulag, which is where you can see the stats of the uh, players. I can see my future opponents, the plates, uh, the players that they played before. I go to YouTube, I search for the matches, and then I search for patterns on their play so that I can pr- probably adapt into into them and into mine. Like, for example, uh, against a few players, if I analyze a few patterns that they do, it's like, okay, he's not going to attack me, like, for example, with the Hellions first, right? He doesn't rule them in, so I can make less defenses mm-hmm. and more... Um, in, and invest more in workers so I get more money and then I, I am in better position in mid-game, right? So I pretty much like to analyze those little patterns from my players and then just try to abuse from that, you know? So, yeah. so a, a lot of a lot of StarCraft, when you get into the, like the pro level, it seems like there's a lot of mind games where you're trying a lot harder to fake a, a tactic or something like that because a, a player is going to react in a certain way and you're hoping that they you know take a bluff or something so do you find yourself when you're analyzing an opponent finding out what kinds of things they've faced a lot before and then think about how you can fake that to get a certain reaction out of them yeah i think that has to be a lot with experience as well because as a programmer you need to really know all the play styles 
Uh, for example, in StarCraft, like against Saren, there's Muta, Link Bailing, there's like Lurke Hydra Bailing, there's uh, just normal Link Bailing, right? There's like a three or four, probably five styles that you can do. But uh, like, I think the only, like, uh, there's a few only complete players like Raynor and Sarah, right? But like most most of the players, I think, including me, like I am better at a certain style than the others. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like, I, I play like, let's say one tournament with one style, and then I focus on that, and then I do very well. But the next tournament, I do need to change it. Right. I tend to so practice, uh, yeah, like like other styles, so that I so they can be surprised. Right. But, but technically, that also has to be with my opponent being weak against certain styles, you know. So that's why I have to analyze. I have to look which games he has the most losses, like against what style, the little patterns that he does, and then that's where I I decide to stick with my strategy or just. Uh, change it but yeah the best thing that you can do is just to be unexpected and just play everything mm. yeah it's really interesting to hear you describe it it's just it i mean it's it, it shouldn't be surprising but it's just incredibly analogous to again to traditional sports um you know all the the research that you're doing and all the time that's not literally just practicing the game but that's studying the game and studying opponents and looking at patterns and trends i mean that's what you know that's what Again, professional teams do in the NFL, the NBA, you know, the professional soccer leagues around the world, all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it's just interesting to hear, I think, because when it comes to esports, even myself being being able to think about those ideas, I don't know. It's like when you watch esports, you just kind of think this person is just this good at the video game. You know what I mean? And you don't really necessarily think about all the other things that might go into that. You know, yeah, maybe you might think about the fact that they play a lot. But um, but yeah, all the time researching and looking up opponents and stuff—that's that's really cool. Yeah, it is the time that they put in, and they're very very good just because they know the game. Like for example, in, in StarCraft, they know the builds, the timings, everything. You, you at the time you have to scout how you need to react. That's probably years of experience, but it's also analyzing. I think analyzing is the most important thing because right now I think speed in terms of speed, I'm probably like very good, like I can be the best in the world, but I just need the knowledge so I can use the speed to make the right decisions. You know? So I think it's mostly analyzing just being perfect on your decisions, but you require like a lot of IQ, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I mean, StarCraft is such a, I mean, I don't know if there's any other game where there is more possible outcomes minute to minute, not just the way the game could end, but what could happen at the two minute mark, what could happen at the four minute mark. So, I mean, to some extent, it's almost impossible probably to make perfect decisions, right? Because you're never presented with identical scenarios. You know, if you play Counter-Strike, the map is the same every time the teams move the same way every time there's defined metas that have existed for a long time. And that's not not really the case with StarCraft. Yeah, no, one of the things I really liked about StarCraft is that they change balance, so everything kind of changes out from every year. That's very good to adapt. Like, at one year, I, I abused one strategy, and I got, a, like, a lot of good results, but then they changed it, so I had to adapt. You know, that's one of uh, the things that StarCraft has, and probably some other games, too. And that's actually very good for uh, for everyone. Yeah, you don't see a lot of balance changes coming out on chess, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and that, that was actually another question I wanted to ask you is, how much do you feel that the outcomes of, of tournaments, you know, at any given time are driven by the current meta or the current patch that's out versus 
the skill of the player. Does that make sense? Like, is it always yeah. the best player winning or is it sometimes that a player is able to take advantage of the existing meta? Yeah, I think uh, some other players are just better at adapting uh, at a certain patch, right? But mm -hmm. I think mostly the top players always stays the same. Also, I try to stay at, at my level, but um, they the patches really, really, really matter. Like, uh, like currently, they uh, they put the patch about Protoss, you know, the boy ray, and they they are just the better early game. Right. So it's yeah. uh, kind of like a bit hard for me to to adapt. And not to yeah, void rays plus the what the prior patch of the the queen's anti air attack being nerfed on range that kind of doubles down the difficulty of dealing with that. Yeah, they've been uh, nerfing Sir quite a while from last year since since uh, Sir was. Before champion. All right, we need Cyril to lose a few games. Like, just take yeah. one for the team so that Zerg can come back. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, Rainer, I think I know Trap won the last. Uh, yeah. WCS, I think. Uh, we will that see. Was an impressive game. Yeah, we'll see in Katowice what happens. But yeah, right now it's um, kind of like very difficult to find an answer for that. But I'm sure I'm sure that there is answers. So it's just all about me being better and just analyzing. You know, just right. Better. Yeah, the balancing the balance patches are definitely interesting because on the one hand they can produce outcomes like what you're talking about with the void ray where it it feels a little bit unfair and, and sometimes it is actually just kind of determined to be unfair and then they come back in and retweak something to to rebalance that. But I think to your point for why it's can be beneficial, it also drives innovation, right? It drives players thinking of new ways to play. Like I think it was in that trap series that you guys were just talking about where I saw that was the first time I ever saw what they referred to as the the German taxi build or whatever, where they're oh, yeah. overlord dropping Queens. Like, I, you know, I've watched Starcraft for a long time and I've not seen that. Um, so, for, you know, <laughs> 10 years in for that to be <laughs> done in a championship game is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is. There, there was like a few uh, queen builds before, but they started to add the spicy thing and funny thing about the, this, the Warsaw subway and the German taxi and the, those kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> and that's actually pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's a good build. Yeah, yeah. I remember they were doing, um, now I'm not going to remember the name, Nidusworm. They were, for a while, there oh, was like yeah. Nidusworm queen pushes that were happening, but I think the Nidusworm oh, yeah. got nerfed and that went away. <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. low health now. It dies too easy. Mm. Yeah, that was a very good patch with Swanhos. Also, when the Infestor School the, like, lock in with the phone of the units and then you can just cross yeah. it back oh that was my best season so far was very <laughs> well and not and not having infested terrans anymore like oh, it's, yeah, it's, i, I kind of almost forget that that used to be a thing that infested terrans yeah. were dangerous <laughs> yeah they their guns were like so sick they have mm -hmm. the most damage in the game they tried to nerf them like a bunch of different ways and finally they're just like they're gone we're getting rid of them try something else <laughs> yeah, infested terran broodlord needs to go away <laughs> yeah that just gave us the infestors that they can use the energy to protect the ground units from the air right that kind of works I don't, I don't know if you guys saw dark versus, versus showtime i think it was where he yeah. used them so it was very interesting uh, it's still it's yeah. still something that a lot of people don't use really which is essentially I, it I just relay it's basically the new version of Dark Swarm, but it, it's essentially that. And yeah, it I would like to it's it's interesting to see. I would like to see it get more use. I think the only way that it would happen is if they do something like they did with Overlord Speed, where they just reduce the cost 
to so cheap that everybody has to use it a bunch to realize how good it is and then increase the, the price back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just a uh, file and testing. testing. But yeah, there was a lot of good stuff also when they, they nerfed the queen by one range. Oh, yeah. uh, they, they nerfed the creep that you can cancel, you know, they were nerfing the circle quite a while, so it's hard to uh, to adapt. But uh, now I think the game is finished, so we just need to practice, guys. Let's right. go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you were talking before about that in between tournaments, you're playing maybe, you know, five matches a day at least to, to try and just maintain your current skill level. So are you playing any other video games or, or or when you're not playing StarCraft, do you just try and do something completely separate from gaming? Yeah, I do. I, I, like, I like to go out with friends or with my uh, neighbors. They usually play like uh, car, um, card games or table games. They, mm -hmm. they, they play a lot, you know. And I uh, go out with my friends, probably like eat a lot of stuff and just play League of Legends or just talk about you know, our stuff. Maybe I play League of Legends as well. I also play Baccarat in Poker Stars. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, some anime. I love anime. I really like anime. I don't know if you guys like anime, but I do. Then, yeah, yeah, sure. What's what, what? What ones are you into? I like I like Attack on Titan, which is uh, on air right now. I also like Jujutsu no Kaisen. Mm. I'm super fan of Yoku. Uh, oh, that's my favorite character. Also, I watch uh, Promise Neverland. That's very, very sick. Have you guys seen it? The Promise Neverland? I have not, nope. Oh, no, it's I very good. I, I, I promise you, you're going to like it. Just watch the first episode. You're going to really like it. It's on Netflix, by the way. So, oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be really good. I think my favorite anime is probably One Punch Man. Uh, oh, a great good one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I oh, just yeah, love like. I think it's a good anime, but then it also kind of parodies anime on a whole. And I, I like that it kind of accomplishes both of those <laughs> at once. But Yeah, I'm still waiting for the second season, but they're taking too long. What's happening? Yeah, I think actually it's available on Hulu. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, I think the second season is done, but availability is minimal. Uh, yeah, like they, I think they went to only because it was on like it was on everything for a while. Like you could get the first season on any platform, and then I think second season, yeah, I think is only Hulu, which we don't have anymore, and I'm too lazy to go find it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to wait. Yeah, yeah, for everyone. So the scene is is changed in the last year, at least you know, with the ESL Open Cups and in Blizzard kind of taking a step back from from being the the, the uh, driving force behind the the starcraft esports scene so i know there's the esl weekly cups but but how often are you participating in events or tournaments and, and not just major events like esl but things like the exxon open cup that you know that we sponsor um yeah how often are you involved in, in those kinds of events oh i am like rank one on the season by playing all those tournaments yeah okay <laughs> so I, I, am, I am like super super active every time like before going to sleep I just set the alarm to the nearest uh, tournament that is going to be like in the morning, like 12, 11 a.m. Yeah, I pretty, try to wow. pretty much play like every tournament online to enjoy uh, Starcraft, you know, the last of Starcraft. <laughs> and also gain some uh, like money to like, uh, to myself, you know, and then I always try to play the Monday ESL Cups and I never miss big tournaments too. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm full time, so I like to just uh, not miss a tournament whatsoever. Yeah, well, and I guess I'm, I'm literally curious as to, I mean, what is, the, is it, is it three tournaments a week? Is it 
you know, five tournaments a week? Like, how often are these events available? Because I didn't realize that things like the Exxon Cup, frankly, existed until we started sponsoring it. Like, I didn't realize that there was these smaller events going on on such a regular basis. Oh, yeah, there's uh, quite a lot. I think there's one, like, at least one or two daily. I think on Monday, there isn't, uh, unless, because there is, like, ESL Cup, right? But the, all the other days, I think there is. Yeah, so, so on Monday you get to sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, technically, but uh, just, but uh, yeah, I, I like to sleep like three or four, five a.m. <laughs> usually, and that's quite bad. Yeah, but uh, probably on Monday I can sleep a bit more. Right. Tuesday as well, but yeah, pretty much every day there's tournaments like fifteen, thirty, hundred dollars uh, prize pool. So, so I try to play them like all the time. That's awesome. So. Uh, to, I mean, I guess since 2012, like, have you ever worked a day job or have you been able to sustain your life being a pro gamer exclusively? Yeah, I worked for a call center on 2015, I think. Like from 2012 to 2016, I was like professionally, kind of like semi-pro, I would say. Okay. I, I didn't make enough money to maintain myself or just see it as a job. I was just like, oh, okay. I got a flight to China, right? And then, okay, I got $200 like this past four months. <laughs> it's not too much, you know? So right. I was just pretty much enjoying as a kind of like a fun, just a passion, you know? And then I was like, okay, yeah, I have to get into real life, right? And then I, I tried to get a job. I really liked the job, actually. It was a bilingual job, actually. Mm. Um, I, I meet uh, really funny persons there, really nice people there. But then I, I just get kind of bored, you know, where I was like, nah. Every time the same, but then in 2016, they they announced the new Legacy of the Void StarCraft. So I was like, okay, I am gonna go full time StarCraft right now. This is my time. And I just keep my job, and then I was just go back to the um, to the life that I had, that I just uh, playing you know games. But then that time I was like fully focused on trying to get better results and just being better at the game, you know. So. Yeah, that was the time from 2016 where I decided to go full time. And, um, gotcha. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think, well, and I think it's cool to hear that you know for for the listeners too, just because I think there's also a, a thought that people on the outside can have that it happens overnight, right? And um, and to hear that you know, yeah, you've been playing professionally for a decade, but there's there's a period of time at the beginning where you're kind of building up into becoming the full time pro gamer. Um, so it's, it's possible to do it while you still have a day job. <laughs> as yeah. Long as you can yeah, yeah, it was. And I remember that that year I got uh, like really frustrated because I was like, okay, I go full time, but then I, I have the same results, right? I keep losing. Like, what the hell do I do to win, to be a pro gamer? And then I remember there was one night when I played like a lot of flyer and then I lost like six games, six games in a row, six games in a row. And I was like, kind of like super tilted. It was like, uh, I think, 1 a.m. And then I remember I just um, put my face down, you know, with my arms. I was, like, really sad. I started crying, you know, feeling kind of bad. I was like, man, why can't I be like them, you know? What do I need to do to get better to actually achieve what I want? And then I was like, okay, okay, calm down. I have to, I have to analyze, right? And then that's where I started to kind of like uh, um, get better with my talent of analyze, I think. Because I was like, okay, I am going to watch one 
YouTube video from a programmer, right? Like a really good programmer. I, I remember it was Ruth Hydra, our a Korean player. I was like, okay, I'm gonna analyze him. I am gonna literally, literally just analyze every single move that he does, the drones, the overdoors, the timings, everything, and I'm gonna do it exactly as he does it, right? So I watched the video for like 30 minutes, you know, just uh, doing a notepad, you know, and everything. I was like, if I do exactly what he does, I, I have to win, right? Because it's like if Hydra was playing, not me. So I started to do that. I got a few builds, like in CDC, for example, where you can just be a, a bit more creative. And then I started winning, 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 winning. And then I was just so happy. I was like, okay, this is the formula, right, to get better. And that's where I started to really analyze, really, really analyze again, like really closely. Yeah, mm. very, very good. That's awesome. It's uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm super happy that you took to the dedication that it, it takes to get over that hump because it is something that I think everybody experiences at some point is you feel like you've gotten pretty good at something and then you hit a point where you realize there's just so much more that you have to figure out to get even better to like get to the next stage. Right. And yeah. so, I mean, that's awesome that, that you were able to get through it and that you found a solution for that. I think I'm, I'm kind of interested in knowing, like I tend to play not quite as many games all the time as maybe uh, somebody like Walker for our, our listeners our dedicated listeners that, that know kind of our histories, but for to, to really dive into one game and stick to it, there is, in my mind, it feels like there's another kind of layer of dedication and passion. And I guess I just kind of want to know, like, after being drawn in and getting, you know, a couple of tournaments and a taste of, you know, the, the victories that you can get there, but kind of comparing that to today is what keeps you playing StarCraft like every day, like you said, right now, like today's in today's world, what keeps you still excited and interested in the game or the sport? Uh, well, that's a very good question because uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't really have the same passion that I was as the first day. I have to accept that, you know. Um, I think that's understandable because, um, you know, with time, everything just uh, becomes different, right? But what I'm certain about is that I really like the game. I still enjoy it, you know. Not as much as before that I can't really play like 20 games and be like, oh, yeah, I love StarCraft. Right? Now, right now, I can be like, okay, five games, 10 games, and then I'm done. You know? I want to do something. But yeah, I, really, I, I still really like the game. I like my lifestyle. And I also, it's, it's StarCraft is like a really, really good way to, um, to bright my future, you know, as a as champion. Just, uh, it's a really good vehicle to to uh, set me in a, in a good future in terms of uh, money and uh, realization and uh, nature and a lot of stuff. So I just keep playing because I uh, I, I really like the lifestyle, yeah, pretty much. And I still like the game. So, uh, kind of a strange question, maybe, but you know, we've talked a lot about the all the analytics and the research that can go into it, and, and obviously, anyone that's familiar with StarCraft is familiar with the idea of of builds and build orders and timings and all this sort of stuff. But something that I've heard other high level gamers talk about with, with regard to StarCraft is that they feel also a sense of of expression through it, like it 
almost like they're able to express themselves creatively to some extent. Now I can say when I play StarCraft, which I'm like silver, so it's oh, wow. <laughs> no creativity. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, do you feel that way at all? Like, do you feel like there's a creative element to it at all when you're playing, or or does it feel more yeah. tied to just the, the the rigid builds and things? No, no, yeah, like in, from 2016 it was like the year where where I felt the most creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I started to analyze. Uh, but yeah, every time I was like uh, playing a game and then I lose, and then I was like, oh okay, what if okay I see the replay and then I, I am like, okay, what if what if I try this? this uh, new build, adding this stuff at this timing. And then I just uh, stopped doing that. And then I do this. And then I start, I, I hit ladder or, or telephone to uh, play a custom game. And then I tried those things. And then all, all the time that I was playing that game, I felt like a very particular sens- sensation where, you, uh, yeah, where I feel creative, you know, and I feel very good because I felt like I was like uh, solving a puzzle or sol- solving like a really big uh, problem, you know? And then I was just grabbing uh, little little parts of the puzzle and then putting them on the table, you know, for everything. So you're getting those eureka moments. Yeah, and then sometimes, like, for example, I win an engagement doing the difference that I did. I was like, okay, I got, like, three or four parts of the puzzle and put it in the table, right? But then when I started to close, close out games, like, um, consecutively, that's where you're your puzzle is like almost finished. So that's where I felt the most uh, uh, joy, you know, about uh, solving problems. And uh, yeah, builds pretty much just adapting. I think that was a very, very good feeling. Yeah, so that's interesting. It's almost, The creativity was really only possible after you had started really doing the deep analysis because yeah. you had that level of understanding to have kind of the tools, if you will, to be creative with. Yeah, I think most of the people think being a programmer is hard, which maybe it is, <laughs> but I think you have to, it's it's all about analyzing, you know, like in, in, like in StarCraft, it's like, why am I losing? Okay, just analyze. And then after you analyze, you're like, okay, I don't have to do this. And I don't have to, I, like literally, I didn't need needed to go with the units there because I, they were, they were going to get around. just move them back. It's just so simple. It's like when you analyze, it's just so simple to, do know the mistakes and then just like, okay, next time, just don't do that. Just don't go. Just stay back. Right? There's no decision to go. And then if you go, they kill your units or your hero or whatever, and then you're behind. And after you're behind, just a lot of bad news start to come out. You know? <laughs> I, I think that's really interesting that you say that because there's kind of uh, something that I've been noticing more and being more aware of is when you see somebody that you would consider like a master of their craft, like, like a, an artist or something. Mm-hmm. I, I watch a lot of videos of like YouTubers of people that like draw really well and make a really cool. So it's like a, a speed paint or something. And they make some really cool, like anime picture or a superhero or something in like half an hour. Right. And it's just, it, they make it look easy. And I I, come, I catch myself coming back to that that thought of it looks easy, <laughs> and I and in, and when somebody is like a master of their craft, they are so they know that the lines that they're going to put down or the units that they're going to move are going to react in a very specific way that the novice may not be aware of. But so so when a novice looks at it and goes, well, like, well, they should have just moved it here and they would have won. Like, that's yeah. part hindsight, but it's also part, like, there is a, an amount of knowledge and analysis that you have to have to know 
that that's how things are going to work and being able to look at your own work and identify the parts where you make it look easy, but it's hard. And the parts where you could just do the simple thing, like just move the units back. Don't don't stand in the engagement and lose everything. Just retreat. It sounds easy, but when you're in the moment, it's really hard to remember that that's an option. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is actually very hard. I mean, I say that probably because I am like really experienced, right? And like just have a lot of years of uh, playing. But uh, I think um, what I wanted to say is it was like, uh, okay, yeah, just like you analyze stuff um, and you have to not give the opponent like an edge, you know? Try to have the best early game that you can have so that if you're in the medium, you're going to be in a good position, right? So... Like every mistake that you make, I think this way, like, like for example, you're going to give him, uh, like, let's say, like, in League of Legends, like, if you lose, like, if you lie, if you die to the opponent, you give him one kill. That's like 300 gold, right? That means he's going to have one more item. That means uh, he's going to have more damage or health or whatever. So in, he's going to beat you 1v1. So by that, you can't farm. You can't farm. So he's going to get even more money because of that. So it's all about change, change. It's like a change of problems. Mm. Yeah, like a chain of problems that just becomes bigger. Like a snowball just becomes bigger. It's the same for StarCraft, you know? If you give away units in the early game or something, the ball is like, it's gonna be, it's gonna grow and grow and be bigger and bigger. And then once the mid game starts or the late game starts, it's just gonna hit you, right? But yeah, I understand that it's very hard to actually know what to do. Like I say this easy because I know how to do it, but Probably what I recommend you to do is just to just analyze all the little things, you know, just like at the moment that you, you fell behind to your opponent, that's where you have something that has to change. What? I don't know. You have to look for that and then just kind of like simple, just don't do that. right? <laughs> and then just move towards that. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you know, certainly your experience plays a, a part in <laughs> the ease of it for you. But I think also the, the the way you're describing the mindset is important because, A, something you're talking about that I think applies outside of StarCraft and outside of gaming, but that is whenever a person finds themselves up against a seemingly insurmountable problem, the, the, the way around that is typically to start asking different questions, Right. And that ties into, I mean, that's what you're doing with your analyzing. You're asking, okay, what went wrong here that I need to to change, right? And, and you're constantly asking questions. And then the other thing that you're talking about or describing is, you know, not it, like you just described it so well with, it's a, it's a problem that's always evolving, that's always changing. And so instead of I made a mistake and now I have an idea of what outcome that's going to lead to, it's, it's not getting stuck in that rut of, of a train of thought. And instead it's shifting your perspective to say, okay, now that just means that these parameters are true and now I can still solve the problem. It's just a different problem than it was before because of the mistake that I made or, or whatever, you know, happened previously. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, the, the problem just grows like every time if you had a, even a silly mistake, it's just gross. So like mm-hmm. a problems also. Uh, what I do on analyze is just okay, go to the replay that I lost, and then I at uh, the first mistake that I see, that's where I try to fix, and then I just don't pretty much don't watch the whole replay because after that it's pretty much like a different scenario. It's just 
Ah. Like most of the time, not worth to watch because it's not going to look, look the same if you fix the first mistake. Yeah. If, if the first fix- domino doesn't fall, the rest of the match wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So it's just pretty much a waste of time to kind of like um, analyze the whole thing unless like you, you came back, right? I mean, you, you guys are like in a fair game, right? Or you made a decision that you could have won. Uh, maybe I stay in the replay, but most of the time I don't like to watch it because if I fix the first first problem, the game next time is gonna look like completely different. Like everything changes, so that's why you have to fix the early game problems. Once your early game problems are fixed, you have to go to the mid game problems, and then after that, late game problems, and then you're you're just perfect. You know, you that's where you usually uh, advance from a league like above, and then the early game problems are going to start again because you are playing with more skilled players, you know, and then that's where you do do it again, early game, medium, late game, and then you get into diamond and it's the same thing, you get into masters, the same thing, until you get like really top league players, you know, so that's where I I find the, the difference, for example, like against Stern, like mostly of the grandmasters, they don't control the Hellions as like special, probably TY. Probably those guys are like super active with Hellions, they're like, from one side to another side to try to deny crit, right? And then when I mm-hmm. notice the other players, like the lower players, they don't do that. They, they just focus on some some other stuff. So I have to fix that early game thing of mine of being like uh, really aware of where the heavens are, you know? It's just mm-hmm. like every time you get better, you, you play against better players, so you have to do the same pretty much theory that I do. And just fix the first problem every time and then just go by them, you know? So yeah. I think that's really, really great advice that I don't know if I've ever actually heard anyone say before, but that if you're going to analyze your own replays, analyze it until you find the first major mistake that you need to correct and then stop watching the replay and go back to playing and correcting that mistake. And then then when you start losing again, then go back and start analyzing again. Um, I think people fall in the trap. I know I have of watching full matches and then coming away with like, well, there's like 30 things I need to do differently. And then I never implement any of them because I'm trying to juggle too many things in my mind that I you know, need to be working on. Yeah. I also like to compare myself against like uh, the top player, for example, like let's say Sarah, like against Sarah, like at 530, you need to have like, for example, 60 drones, two of us in the way, maybe four base and the layer and the layer is done. And then I find some players like, no, I, I did in my macro well. I, I think I, did, I didn't do any mistake. But then I see his replays and they just get like a few supply blocks, you know, they, they stack up larva. And then those are the little things that you don't see because it's like, I didn't lose units. Yeah, but you lost like macro, you know, you lost time. So all of those little things have to really get better in the early on. Mm-hmm. So that was the first mistake, even though you didn't lose anything, you know. Right. So it was like, you need to be able to uh, see those things and fix them so that uh, you can just be a better player. And if you have a good early game, you're going to have more units. So the mid-game units that the opponent has are not going to look like that scary because you're even going to have more units or probably the right amount of time to to uh, defend. So whereas if you had a bad early game and then you just have like no units, he's just going to punch you and you're going to be like, oh, I lost. But yeah, it's pretty much just see the first mistake that you did in the game. Just don't watch the whole thing, but just fix it. And then next time the game is going to look different if you fix that. And then you just fix the first problem that they come. Yeah. That's how it works. That's really cool. 
So you've uh, you've mentioned that you've kind of been all around the world. You've uh, you've toured in a lot of different places, played in a lot of tournaments. You've been at the game for over a decade. So kind of transitioning some away and getting some some other things, just some other general information, some questions that I have is first I got to ask, uh, you said you enjoyed Europe a lot um, and that you've been everywhere else. But as a foodie, I am also a foodie. And uh, if I had to like go get my passport and vacation to one place for food, where would you recommend? Oh, I like Asia. I yeah. really like Asia. The, the rice is so sick. And also the chicken that they use, spicy, that they do, spicy is very good. Also the Korean barbecue is very good. Also in USA is very good. Yeah, I would love to get some authentic Korean bulgogi. Like it's hard yeah. to get authentic bulgogi around here. I do know I, I recently uh, went to a place where um, a, a the, the place that I was staying, his the guy's wife uh, was... Uh, a Szechuan native, and so oh. she she made some authentic Szechuan hot pot, which was amazing. Ah, oh, so sick! Yeah, <laughs> yeah <that. laughs> I'm actually gonna go to Korea in April. To, yeah, to try ESL. Nice. Uh, to September, so I'm gonna. So I, I saw the, the place where I'm gonna stay, and I already saw like five chicken places where I can go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I already have them in my notepad. <laughs> that's the important so tactics is six pool and chicken <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. also if you pass by chicago like the the pizza that they do like the big one you know yeah oh deep dish pizza is very good oh i also love the the philly cheesesteak oh so sick man <laughs> like i can tell you a lot of places but yeah just stick with those <laughs> nice i got a buddy in chicago so maybe i gotta visit him soon yeah try them out they're very good well, so that was a question I, I actually, which you may have just kind of answered, but I was curious if if living in Korea or going to play in Korea was still something that you would aspire to, or if that had become less important over time. But it sounds like it is still kind of the the pinnacle. Is that true? Yeah, it is true for uh, quite a few a few reasons. Um, like the first one is obviously just try to achieve the best person, best player that I can be. I really like to meet that that for me. Uh, two, I really miss traveling. Um, I really, really, really like uh, meeting like new people, new food, and just uh, hanging around uh, some other country. I think that's super sick. Mm-hmm. And um, what I really like from Korea is uh, is a practice, and also that I'm gonna be able to play in the one of the tournaments that I've been following since long time ago, GSL. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really want to qualify before I retired, I guess. So, yeah, that's one of my uh, my goals when I go there. Because, like, first, when you go to Korea, there's, you play with zero ping, right? So it's way, 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 way better to play there than someone somewhere else in the world. And I can probably meet some Korean players, probably stick to them, you know, invite them to, to eat so I can see them play same all the time. <laughs> And uh, stuff them with some chicken first, yeah. slow them down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy, uh, I invite you to eat chicken, be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as the, that's a good way to make friends, really. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, pretty much super excited about that. I really have, I already have my flight, I think. So, it's all about, um, right now, I'm pretty much relaxing, but probably one, one month before going, I'm just gonna go like super try hard. 
where I'm gonna just play a lot. Yeah, be ready. That's kind awesome. Bulking like up before you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now I have to hit the gym. Right. Right now I can just be flexible. Well, so you kind of just spoke to this a bit as well, talking about the you know going to Korea and playing there is, is kind of a goal before, and, and qualifying for GSL being a goal uh, before you retire. And that's what I was going to ask is, you know, games now go on forever, it seems. You know, not only StarCraft 2, but League of Legends, like you talked about, has been around forever at this point. Do you do you see yourself just sticking with StarCraft until you decide to retire? Or do you think that you might try and switch to another game at some point? Uh, well, obviously, I think I would like to retire because I think in life nothing is forever. But in if StarCraft keeps making big tournaments after uh, two years, I will still play for sure. Uh, if not, I will probably retire and then just play the uh, online cups to mm. get some money from that and probably still enjoy the game. But like to put it in perspective, in uh, if Frost try Frost. Yeah, and releases their game. Like right after something happens with StarCraft, I will probably give it a try, go right. for a few months, three months, and then we can see what happens. Because what I like about new games, and especially because they have they are very talented people, they have like Warcraft, StarCraft people, and also uh, Riot Games is one of the investors. So I'm like, ooh, okay, let's go. Uh, I would like to try. And one of the things I like about new games is. Um, that a lot of the teams are interested, you know. We, we can see TSM, Cloud9, probably SKT coming in there. If if the game is uh, is very good and has like uh, esports tournaments, so I would really like to give it a shot. However, I don't know if they're gonna take two years or four years or whatever. If they take more time, I think probably I'm still gonna take it, but it will depend on what I do after StarCraft. Like right now, what I want to do. I, I, I don't think I'm going to be programming League of Legends or whatever. I, I don't like their system. But yeah, I will, like, what I want to do now is just get enough money so that I can invest uh, here in Mexico, which is kind of like cheaper. So, yeah, I'm just, use, I'm just using StarCraft as a monetary vehicle, and I uh, try to enjoy the, the years that, uh, that I can still play. Yeah, so that, that again, I think you might just answered this, but I was going to ask you if once you finally do retire, do you do you see yourself going into like coaching and management with a StarCraft team or broadcasting and media? Or but it sounds like perhaps you're looking at exiting gaming entirely once you're you're done playing uh, at the professional level and 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 just doing something separately from that. Well, I'm still open, you know. Like, uh, sure. I feel like I could uh, be a coach from. Uh, Another team, probably Legal Games, they, they have uh, kind of like a big uh, scene here. Uh, or maybe I can just, uh, yeah, I, th I think mostly that, or just become programmer or first Ryan. I think those are the things that I can do with gaming. But I'm still not sure what passionates me the most. So every time I go into that thought, I'm like, nah, just focus, right now, just focus on StarCraft. And then I uh, probably like six months before retiring or like something happens, I can just start on really what I really like to do, where what I would really like, love to do after StarCraft, you know. But yeah, there's two options: being a coach from League of Legends with probably early game, or um, Frost uh, Giant new, new baby. Yeah, yeah, that's it's cool that there's as much enthusiasm for Frost Giant already, and they haven't even really 
announced <laughs> you know anything that specific yet um we're kind of thinking maybe about doing a thing that we would like to try to make and everybody <laughs> lost it <laughs> <laughs> well it's just, you know it's, it's all the talent right. right it's all the all the best all the best people and all the history for it yeah yeah it's just not like one company that says i'm gonna make the new starcraft i, I don't right really, you know there's they, enough belief that they could do it yeah yeah they don't have the past but at least for Australian, they have, you know, the talent and also the money. And also, one of the investors is Riot Games. And after that, I'm like, okay, something right. is going to come. Yep. Check so it. one of the things that we try to really hone in on, it's kind of the tagline of our show, is why gaming matters. And whether it be because it's what pays the bills or because it's your passion or your history, like the thing that we really like to hear people say, because it just, it, for some reason, the question just frames the object kind of differently is when you hear the phrase, why does gaming matter to you? What comes to mind? Oh, I think just the whole process about figuring out the, the, um, the game. And also while you're in tournament, like all the sensations, all the feeling that you, well, that you, you feel prior to match is just amazing, you know? You can just feel like before playing a match, like super nervous, handshaky, just thinking a lot, like, oh my God, if I win, I get like $2,000 more, you know? Or like, if I win, I'm just gonna, ah, oh, just feel that, feel this. I think, oof, I think what gaming matters is about developing yourself. Uh, your solving skills are just gonna be way better. And also try to face out uh, how life is, you know? Like sometimes, Life tells, tells you, nope, you can't do this. And then you have to accept it and then just go again, you know? Like a warrior, just stand up again and just go, go, go. Uh, it teaches you, like, uh, well, I want to say not to get mad uh, because I still get tilted sometimes. <laughs> but I think it kind of teaches you all that you have to try again, just persistence, you know? Right. Also, about the feeling, about uh, figuring out the puzzles or, like, figuring out like problems that you have in the game, like certain strategies that really, really make you uh, not sleep in the night. Uh, solving them just makes you like feel so great, you know. It's I think it's gaming is just like like a really really good way to develop yourself and also just uh, uh, pass uh, pass uh, like a really really good time, you know. It's just really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's why we like to ask that question because in a lot of spaces and gaming is still looked at as something that kids do or something that's, you know, purely just entertainment. And while it certainly can be that, um, it, as you just laid out <laughs> very eloquently, it can be a lot more than that too. Um, whether it be a means to an end, like an income, or like you said, maybe it doesn't eliminate anger, but it, it certainly presents you with an opportunity to face <laughs> being tilted and then face getting over it again and yeah. again, right? So you get better at, at that at least. Yeah, and I also thank uh, gaming, like all about that, just in the in the gaming department, but in the pro gamer department, I really, really enjoy it because I I really meet new people, meet new countries, new food, my mm. past girlfriends, you know, it's just like uh, you can meet uh, incredible people and also uh, other su successful people and you can see how they think you know, about the game or life and stuff. Right. So it's just like opens you up into an, like, an entirely world of possibilities 
and uh, yeah, it, they can be your new best friends, you know, even even better friends than the uh, the friends that you get in the school or whatever, you know. Right. It's just like a really really good feeling overall. Yeah, that's really cool. That's that's super cool. Uh, the the <laughs> the international experiences that you're getting through all of it. Yeah. Well, Cham, we have had an absolute pleasure talking with you this evening. Um, obviously, you're with Team Exxon, which we sponsor the weekly tournament. So we'll have links for that in the show notes and, and try and tweet that out on a weekly basis anyway. Um, but if people are, are wanting to know more about you, is there anywhere we should direct them to? Do you have a Twitter or a, are you streaming on Twitch? Is there anywhere else people can, can find and connect with you? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Facebook with uh, SC2Cham. I uh, post there mostly on Spanish for the Spanish people. But you can uh, uh, contact me there or also Twitter where I am like uh, X and Cham. You can find me there too. I also started making TikToks, you know, and I had like very good response from people. Nice. Uh, I tried to explain them how to be like a pro gamer, you know, or how to win money being a pro gamer. <laughs> and then people were like super excited. Uh, like one video that I made, um, that I did saying like, how to make money playing video games, right? I mean, and it had like 25K likes, like 3,000 comments, you know, and stuff. Nice. And just a lot of people were like, oh, how can I do it for Fortnite? Hey, yeah. For and then I was like, okay. I, I, I tried to find tournaments for them, and I just linked them. Analyze um, and practice. Analyze and practice. <laughs> <laughs> Analyze and practice. That's correct. Uh, you can find me on TikTok, Pablo Chamblanco, literally my name. Okay. Uh, Pablo, yeah, Cham C H A M Blanco, on TikTok, and uh, on Twitch as well. I, I sometimes uh, stream. It's uh, SC2 Cham as well. So, so see you guys there. If you have any any question whatsoever about the game or life, you can do you can give advices. You want to contact me? I'm very nice. I really like to help people. So, hit me up if you have, if you have like any question. So, awesome. Well, yeah, we, we'll make sure and have links for that, uh, those different spots in the show notes so people can just click directly on it and, and go right to it. Um, well, Jam, again, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been an absolute blast talking to you, and best of luck in Korea. I'll definitely yeah. be watching ESL to, to root for we'll, you. So. We'll be waiting for those ESL points. So. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll be rooting you on all the way. Yeah, yeah. thanks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention you in an interview. Aw, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be the best champ you've ever seen. So. There you go, there you go. Well, before we let you go, is there anything else that you want to shout out? Anybody in particular you want to you know give thanks to or anything like that? Anything you want the fans to hear? Well, thanks to you guys for inviting me into into this and supporting Actimax and the gaming uh, Starcraft in general. Also, Dricket, the best manager ever. Team Excellent for their beautiful sport has been one of the greatest things that I've been, I feel very comfortable with that. Uh, very, very comfortable with uh, team management. You know, I have trust in them, my teammates. Also, you know, my family, myself, like so all the sponsors. So uh, thank you to Damon Cano as well. Very good people. And I uh, think that's it. Thank you for the fans, everything. Please hit me up if you have any question. I'm a very nice person. So that's okay. <laughs> thank you, guys. No right, thanks for your Thank time. you. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a coffee over at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash P-U-I-S pod, or just tell a friend about us because that really does make a difference. 
All of the links that are discussed and our social accounts all are available in the show notes. And if you want to hear more from either of us on topics outside of gaming, consider checking out Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, which talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests, or my podcast, Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. 